Father, anoint our minds, anoint our spirits to receive divine revelation tonight. We lay aside every care, every worry, every burden, every doubt. We lay it at your feet. And we allow and ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the deep and intimate knowledge of you to come in and anoint us right now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand of praise. Thank you. Before we get into the beginning of this series of revelation and something that is just so timely that has come out of this season, you know, I remember being here in 2019 and early 2020, and there was this sense of an impending breakout of the Holy Spirit. This sense of God wanting to do something very fresh in the San Francisco Bay Area. Yes. It's interesting that we had that sense so deeply, and those of you that came, you remember, it was like we felt like we were on the edge of it exploding, and then all of a sudden, it seemed to go completely the other direction because of COVID, shutting us down, locking all that other stuff. But there is no time nor distance in the realm of the Spirit. And the Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do not be surprised. Sometimes God will reveal to you what he's about to do on the other side of a coming battle. He doesn't tell you about the battle, but he does tell you about the victory on the other side. Yeah. Hello. And don't mistaken that the, when the battle came, that all of a sudden you thought, oh, maybe we missed it. God already knew the battle was coming. But he was trying to give you the hope in this side of the battle so you would endure to the other side of the battle. Now I want you to, so through all of this, I've had some incredible encounters with God. I shared with you last time I was here, I believe it was end of September, early October. And we had just released our brand new book on exposing the enemy's greatest weapon being unleashed today. And I tell you, it just keeps getting more and more manifest. We call it Satan's big fat lie. And I'm telling you, get a hold of this. The revelation, it's the first chapter is a phenomenal vision of the end time army and the end time battle and exposes Satan's number. What I believe is his number one strategy to try to rob you from fulfilling your destiny but also exposes in this book, we show how God has given us the victory to overcome and utterly crush that enemy. Yeah. One of the things that happened in the vision, as I saw the battle going on, and I saw saints of God, many were being hit hard and some were being overcome and overwhelmed by the circumstances and by the, 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 the sins and the failures that came and un, were excuse me, were unleashed. And as the Holy Spirit was moving to restore them, somebody say restore. restore. Put that in your spirit. Don't give up on your brother and sister. Come on, amen. We serve a God of incredible restoration. I'm going to show you. I got, I got so many scriptures, so much revelations already flowing. That's the dangerous about coming in this house. I, it's not like I get in here and you have like, you know, okay, I'll get through that in the first 20 minutes. And then the next four days, you spend preaching on that because the revelation anointing flows. But 
I wrote two books in one year, less than a year. And the second book, this is, pro- is the, I think, I feel the most important thing I've ever done beyond even the Disciples Course and Satan's Dirty Little Secret and this. And that is this brand new book called Looking Unto Jesus. 30 Days of Transformation. 30 Descriptions of Jesus from Revelation chapter 1. It is the most concentrated collection of descriptions of Jesus in a chapter in anywhere all in Scripture. There is no other place in Scripture where there's so many unique descriptions of God as in Revelation chapter 1. And I challenge people, take the 30-day challenge, broken down into every day. It's not, it's not what you would consider a traditional devotional. You know, you, there's some wonderful devotion out there, and you get a, a verse, and you get a nice little story, and, and it's encouraging. Oh, no, this is the deep, deep dive. I, I love what you said today, just now, because the book, the publishers, you know, they, they, they like storybooks. They like, they actually tend to like, shout, you have to fight with your publishers to get truth in there. You wouldn't think, even the Christian publishers, you wouldn't be, believe what we, the battles we had to go through. But it's about 49% of it is scripture because I allow the word and use the word to explain the word. And how many know there's an assault against the word of God today? You got even famous people out there saying, oh, we're not to tether our faith to the Bible. We're not to tether our faith to the inerrancy uh, and authenticity of the Bible. We're to tether our faith to other things. Famous people, Andy Stanley's out there promoting this. Don't don't tether your faith to the Bible. Tether your faith to the resurrection. And it's a good sounding argument, but it utterly fails because the only way we know about the resurrection is from the Bible. See, the enemy wants to disconnect you from the found the ultimate true foundation. Because once he can disconnect you from the foundation, then he can begin to deconstruct and take apart everything else. This word is the word of God. And if God can talk through a donkey, he doesn't have a problem talking through some people. Come on, amen. But there's an assault against the word of God. Well, we go after that by giving more word of God. Right? Come on, we're going to stay true to the word. Anyways, this is phenomenal. Uh, every day for 30 days, take the challenge, begin to read it, and, and let it revolutionize your life. We hit on one of them the last time I was here. The voice, the sound of a trumpet, and it took us five, was it four days, five days, whatever it was, it took us four days to get, to even begin to get through it. Well, I'm going to try to give you a little bit more today, <laughs> beginning today. Can you hold that? But I'm telling you, what is bubbling in my spirit is deep. I want you to open your Bibles right now, though. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. And then we're going to spend time tonight. I'm praying for a divine impartation tonight. I'm going to say that again. I'm praying for a divine impartation. God is going to speak to us and God's going to give us something. But Revelation, chapter 1. And we're going to lay some incredible foundation. Put these things deep in your spirit. Revelation chapter 1, and let's begin, excuse me, I believe with verse 10. My pages won't turn. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I, I, it's so hard for me to do this because I want to start back with 
starting with verse five, where it says to him who is and who was and who is to come and the seven spirits before the throne of God and Jesus Christ, faithful witness. And it goes on these descriptions of him. Actually, let's start with verse seven. <laughs> Lord, help me. I'm going to hit, we're going to explode on this one probably about next Friday. <laughs> Behold, he is coming. Someone say he's coming with clouds and every eye will see him and even those who pierce him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him even so amen everybody say he's coming I want to show this quickly in your spirit I'm going to lay a few little core key foundations but in this incredible vision that I had and the soldiers were getting up the angels that were helping them be restored were speaking to them and they're saying, focus on Jesus and what he is focused on. Focus on Jesus and what he is focused on. Because I saw Jesus riding this mighty white horse, the most magnificent horse you'd ever seen in your life. I mean, the, 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 the beauty, the muscle tone, the purity of the white. And Jesus dressed in full armor with his sword stuck out straight. And he was eyes were set like a flint. His face was straightforward. No matter what was happening in the battle, he did not shift to the left or to the right. He was looking forward and on the other side of, he was leading the mighty army of God and the other side was this horde of hell. And it was interesting because I saw their weapons and their, their weapons were like old muskets and rusty swords and bows and arrows. Oh, they had the possibility, they could still kill you, but they were nothing in comparison to the armament that God's people had. Amen. Then behind them, I saw a mass of humanity, the sea of lost humanity, billions of lost souls. First, I thought Jesus was focused on the, on the battle, on the demons, but he was looking beyond the demons. I could tell. And as I watched him move forward, I thought, oh, he's focused on the souls. He's focused on the last day's great end time harvest. Because there's going to be a harvest of souls in the last days, unlike anything we have ever seen before. Are y'all hear me? Yes, there's also going to be a great falling away, but there's also going to be a massive harvest unlike anything, a glorious harvest. And the devil will do anything he can to stop that harvest. Huh? Because the thing he rejoices most is robbing people, robbing the father of the joy of having his creation fulfill their original intention. That's how he sticks it in the eyes of the father is to try to rob the father's creation from fulfilling the purpose for which God created them. Because you were created for an incredible divine purpose. Come on, you, the human frame. There is something different about the human frame unlike anything else. You are not just another being, another animal you know, existing here on the earth. God created the human frame unique above all others. He created the human frame with the capacity to house and to interact with the fullness of God completely. Huh? He, he didn't create a monkey to do that. 
He didn't create a giraffe or a lion. He created your body with a unique capacity. He formed and fashioned you in the womb uniquely for a purpose that you have the ability, the capacity to fully engage with God in the deepest and most intimate way. And to actually become a vessel filled with the fullness of the unlimited God. You understand how beautiful, how majestic, how incredible your human frame is. That's why the devil does everything he can to destroy your human frame. That's why he wants to destroy it through sickness and through sin and through disease and violence. He wants to mar it. That's why you see when souls are tormented by demon spirits, they often mar their body and they cut their body and they, they, they do things to their body. Why? Because the devil is trying to destroy the beautiful human frame that God created for a purpose, which was to house the fullness of him who fills all with all. Oh, and all in all. Woo! Woo! Don't you ever look in the mirror and say, start complaining to God. Don't you ever look in the mirror and say, I'm ugly. I'm not this. I'm not that. You look in the mirror and say, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? No, you not. You were created by God to unique above all creation. Hallelujah. And yeah, 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 we're, we're living in the, in, in the broken state. We're living in, in, the, in, the, in, in, in the state that's subject to disease and decay now. But there's a day coming. Jesus, the firstborn from the dead. Jesus, who is in a resurrected body. I don't know if you know that. But Jesus is, didn't just, he didn't just come into a human body for 33 and a half years, shake it off, go to heaven, say, whoo, I'm glad I'm done with that thing. No, he was resurrected in a human frame. I'm, I'm jumping way ahead of myself. Oh, y'all hear me? He was resurrected in a human frame. He will forever retain the human frame. That's why the Bible called, Jesus called himself 85 times in, in the Gospels. 85 times he called himself the son of man. Only, five, only seven times did he call himself the son of God. And when Daniel Daniel chapter 7 saw Jesus coming back, at the end times when he came to take over and destroy the Antichrist, he says, behold, one like the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven. He didn't say I saw a, a, a thousand foot tall spirit being. I saw one in the frame, in a human frame, yet full of the glory of God riding on the clouds of heaven. And as he is, so are we. The Bible says when he, we see him, we shall be like him. You're going to get resurrected. You're going to have a resurrected perfect body. Hallelujah. Oh, no wonder the devil's such a liar. That's why he's trying to pervert the human frame. That's why he's trying to get the girls to be boys and the boys to be girls. He's trying to pervert the human frame. Do you understand? Look at, look at it. If you start looking through all that. So everything must be viewed. First off, look into Jesus. And second, be focused on what he's focused on. I thought he was focused on the harvest, but he was looking beyond the harvest. And I said, in the vision, what is he looking at? And in the vision... I saw an empty, huge, empty white throne. And I thought, where's the father? You know, your natural mind tries to 
figure things out when God's speaking to you. Where's the Father? And all of a sudden I realized that's not the Father's throne. That is Jesus' throne when he comes back to this earth to rule and reign here on the earth. He's focused, and I heard a voice said, because I said, what is he focused on? And he said, the end of the age. Jesus is focused on the end of the age. He's focused, he constantly has an eternal focus. Everybody say an eternal focus. It's very important you put that in your spirit because it will change everything in your life. Because most of us have a very temporary in this life focus, the mass majority of everything we think about, even as Christians, everything we pray about, everything we're believing for, everything we're working for is what we have in this life. But I'm telling you, you start going through these descriptions of Jesus. You start seeing him as he is. You start seeing what he's saying. And you would be stunned how much of his teaching was an eternal focus. He's focusing on the eternal and when you get focused on the eternal, it's amazing how easy, much easier it is to deal with all the junk in, in, in the temporary. Huh? Verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. This is where we left off last time. Felt like a week ago. Six months ago. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Saying, these words, we know Jesus gets really intense here because the words turn red. Like three of you got that. Okay, my Bible, they go red, red, okay. It means Jesus is talking. I am the first, I am the alpha, I'm sorry, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. Everybody say alpha and omega. Alpha. Say first and the last. Now, if you go back to verse 8, verse 8 is the Father speaking, not Jesus speaking. And the Father says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. That's how we know it's the Father, the Almighty. But now verse 11, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Now, the Father only speaks twice in the book of Revelation, and he's, each time he says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But here, Jesus said, I also, I am the Alpha and Omega. Now, we know that there is only one God, but he is solely self-existent in the three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And even though it's one God, there are three distinct personalities, three distinct expressions of God, three distinct individuals. It's not three gods that are one. It's a mystery beyond us. But it's also not just three personalities. It is three totally unique expressions of God and yet also totally sharing everything and completely one. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Then I turned, verse 12, to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, I want to begin to put this picture. We're going to jump to Revelation 19 to a phenomenal verse here in a moment. But I want you to begin to put this picture here, John. John, who has... Walked with Jesus. John, 
who saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw when his body was changed and he shone as bright as the sun and the moon and stars. He saw Elijah and Moses. A cloud, the glory cloud filled the mountain and God spoke to him audibly and said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him, right? John, who was the only one of the disciples who was actually with Jesus at the cross. Everyone else ran away, but he was there because Jesus turned to Mary and said, Mary, behold your son, John, behold your mother. John, who was there when Jesus walked through the door in his resurrected body and all of a sudden appeared and said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. John, who was there when Jesus ascended into heaven in bodily form, and the angel said, why do you marvel? Because the same way he just left in bodily form, because Thomas put his finger in in the holes in his hand, he said he's going to come back the same way. John, who had seen so much, John, who was there on the day of Pentecost, when the lichen tongues of flame came and sat upon their head, and they spoke in other tongues. John, who saw so much of the miracles and the power of God, and yet when John sees this revelation of Jesus, in Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says he falls to the ground as though dead. John, who had seen more of Jesus and experienced more than you and I have ever in our life, yet this new revelation, this greater understanding of who Jesus is, was so overwhelming that he didn't just fall down and do a little shukram a hundred, cut him asunder. He was so overwhelmed, he fell to the ground as though dead. He hears the voice of Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's important to put in your spirit because those are Greek terms. Every one of the other descriptions is distinctly Hebraic. It it speaks very strongly to the Hebrew, but this was Greek. I am the first alpha. I am the last, the omega. Jesus was saying in that statement, I'm not just the first and last of Israel. I am the first and last of everything that is and everything that will be. I am the alpha. I'm the beginning. I am the end. I'm the start of all things. In the beginning was the word, and the words were with God, and the word was God. And, and, and the word became flesh, and we do it beheld the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father. All things were created through him. He says, I am the first, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the first and the last. That may seem redundant, but we're gonna see the first and last is pointing us back in the Old Testament to something very particular. Because God is revealing himself to our generation unlike any generation in the history of the world. I'm going to say it again. God is about to reveal himself. It's beginning. It's beginning. But he's about to reveal himself to our generation unlike any generation in the history of the world. That's why you've been hearing for four years now, three years, four years. God's been saying, get close, get close, get close. But I, I'm going to, because I want you to see me, but there's a reason. There's an eternal purpose. It's not just so you and I can have a good time now, but there is an eternal purpose I have for revealing more of myself to you than I have to any generation before. And so not only do you need to come close, but you need to also begin to understand the eternal purpose, why I'm making that an emphasis. Are are y'all hearing? Let's go to Revelation 19. It's a fascinating 
verse here, a couple of verses, verse 9 and 10. He said, then he said to me, now who said, this is an angel. Or what is described as an angel. It's that best I can figure out, it's, it's the one that began to speak to him in Revelation chapter 16, which is one of the seven angels pouring out the seven bowls of wrath. But I want you to put this in your spirit. We're going to get really meaty here real quick. Are you ready? There seems to be this interchange at times in Scripture where God refers there's angels that are these angelic beings, Gabriel, Michael, and they are the angel, the cherubim, the seraphim. But then God seems at times to refer to people, men and women, the brethren, as angels. In the book of Revelation, chapter through to, to the seven churches, when speaking to the leaders of the seven churches, he said, and to the angel of Ephesus. And to the angel of Laodicea, to the angel. He was not talking to a literal angel because he didn't need to rebuke an angel. Y'all hear me on this. He was rebuking people. So this angel, which appears from the best I've been able to determine, is the one that started sick because we see a lot of angelic... Interaction, but in John 16 or uh, Revelation 16, but we'll get there in a couple days. But just put that in your spirit, tuck it away. Then he said to me, Right, this angel, this person, and I'll tell you why it's a person. Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You have been uniquely created by God for a divine purpose. Not just to go to heaven, not just to live in a mansion or have streets of gold. You have been created by God to to be the eternal bride of Christ. To be, and what does the Bible say in Ephesians chapter 5? A man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become That you have been created by God to come into the deepest, most intimate relationship that could ever possibly be. And he says, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And John is overwhelmed that something, John who had seen Jesus uh, and all those other things. And now at the beginning of this revelation, saw a greater revelation of Jesus and the brightness of God so much that he fell to the ground as though dead. And yet when looking upon this angel, he said, I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I, now he's going to tell us who he is. I am your fellow servant and your brethren. I believe he's saying, I am a man. I am your fellow servant and your brethren. And how do I know that? Well, those two phrases. And then the third thing, 
I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. You say, what? Why, is that why does that mean something? It means something to me because John is 2,000 years ago looking into the future. He's meeting one of the end time saints. And this end time saint is so full of glory and revelation and power that even John almost fell into the trap of worshiping him. Are y'all hearing me? Do you understand how bright you're going to be? Do you understand how full of God you're going to be? Could that be what Isaiah 60 is talking about? Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. For darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, so we know it's the end times. But his glory shall arise over thee, and kings shall come to your, the Gentiles shall be converted and the kings shall come to the brightness of your rising. The glory is going to be seen on you. I believe John was seeing one of the end time saints. Are y'all hearing me? I believe John was seeing one of the end time saints. You know what the Bible says about you and me? During this end time season we're in it, we're entering into, we've begun to go into. He said, the weakest among them shall be as David. Say what? The weakest among them shall be as David. Go read about David. He won't weak. The weakest among them shall be as David. He said, seated, don't worship me. It also says another thing to me. We are going to have to walk in a great degree of humility because the glory of God that's going to be upon us is so strong that we are going to have to make sure that the tendency of fallen man to want to worship man instead of God, we are going to have to fight against that which is really contrary to a lot of what we see in the church today, where people want, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. No, no, no. Those that are going to be the carriers of the glory are saying, don't you dare look at me. Look at him. 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 I'm just a fellow servant. I'm just a brethren. I also have the testimony of Jesus. Huh? I don't know about you, but the, the more I behold him, the sicker I get in my spirit with the self-promotion, you know? Even, even, even where we, we, we fail to handle the, the, the balance of, you know, you want to show people what God's doing, but I see people, they post every single person they pray for, every single person they, they lead to the Lord, and they have to do a selfie, and they have to do a testimony online. And, I, and my spirit's going, they're, they're, it's like, you're not really giving testimony to God. You're saying, look at me. Look how God's using me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. How about when Jesus turned time and again said, hey, don't tell anybody. I remember when I was first got saved, I read that. I didn't like it. No, can I be honest with you? God called me into ministry, and I was like, Lord, if we don't tell anybody, how's anybody going to know how you're using me? Yeah. Boy, you're all just looking at me. Yeah. Huh? I mean, who of us is being willing, being willing to be used so mightily by God Amen. and then slip into obscurity for three years? <laughs> Elijah was taken out of nowhere, brought to the forefront, 
global prophet. Shut up the heavens that there be no rain. And what did God tell him to do? Now get your mailing list, start your monthly newsletter. Huh? Elijah rain shutting anointing ministries. Right? Right? No, no, no. Go, go, go by the brook. Go out into the wilderness. Go out to where nobody can even find you. Only the ravens. You're going to be so disconnected from everybody. It's even the, uh, the, bir- the dirty birds are the ones that are going to feed you. Huh? Then he says something that fries my socks off. He says, I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. See an explanation point? They, don't, they didn't have explanation points in, in Hebrew or in Greek, but, it, but the words, there's things they do to the words that are like emphatic. Worship God, him alone. And then, this next phrase. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. See, one of the things that we need to understand is God for many years has been restoring the gifts and the offices. We're restoring the gifts of the spirit and the offices, the fivefold ministry offices. But we also have to understand when they first start getting restored, we are like children with them. We, we don't know anything about them. They're new to us. And God, he, he's okay with that at first. He gives you time to play with it. He does. He gives you time to explore it. He gives you time to check it out. I mean, nobody, listen, that's what we do. We give our little kids, you know, little rattles, you know, getting them introduced to little noisemakers and stuff. We don't care if they lick it, you know, and suck on it. And you know, we're just so glad, hey, they're playing with it. They're exploring it. We're that same way sometimes in the body of Christ when God starts releasing manifestations and things back into the body. We're just little kids. We're like shaking it. We're, you know, chewing it. We're sticking it in our eye. You know, you know we throw it at our brother. Right? We, we, but, but, but that's a part of our growing process. But he didn't intend for us to keep it in that realm. But you get that little child with that little shaker. And then he starts getting a little older and he starts finding a little rhythm to it. And then he starts saying, hey, I can, I can make sounds. I can make, I can make rhythms. I can make music. And maybe I'll expand and I'll play drums or maybe I'll make noise on a keyboard and I'll start becoming a musician. But, 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 you, you, but, but you know, if they're 25 years old and they're going, there's something wrong. So the spirit of prophecy, which is being restored. And, uh, and we, one of the reasons why there's so much, it's God's doing it, and it's so important because the Bible says, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. So he's telling us that in the last days there is going to be the greatest manifestation of the spirit of prophecy that the world has ever seen. But there's only one place in the Bible I have found where it defines what the spirit of prophecy really is. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? Now, the testimony, that the verb there kind of can mean one of two things, and I think it kind of means both. 
But what is the testimony of Jesus? Well, the word testimony means this, a verbal evidence of a witness by which something is affirmed to be true. The spirit of prophecy, ultimately the purpose of the spirit of prophecy is to give verbal evidence that what God has said, who he is, what he declares about himself and what he's doing is true. It is testifying of him. Y'all hear me? Now, two things put in your spirit. One, it can mean as the testimony, are y'all with me on this? The testimony of Jesus, number one, the testimony of Jesus can mean what Jesus himself was testifying to. The other meaning of the verb there can mean what we are testifying about what Jesus was testifying about. But it still focuses on what Jesus was testifying about. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of what Jesus is saying and doing. So watch this, watch this, watch this. So what was Jesus doing? Second Corinthians Well, let's look at him first. Who is Jesus? 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, the Father, in the face of Jesus. Remember when Philip said, show us the Father, and Jesus said, he who has seen me hath seen the Father? Jesus, if you made a circle and you divided up like a pie chart for the reasons why Jesus came, for he, to die upon the cross simply to forgive you of your sins would probably be only a small fraction of the great purpose why he came. He didn't mainly come to forgive you of your sins, he had to forgive your sins to fulfill what he was ultimately after, which was to fully unify you back with the Father. But he came, every say, Jesus came. came. Can I drop this bomb on you? Say, Jesus came came. to reveal the Father. He came to reveal the Father's character, the Father's nature, the Father's authority, and the Father's kingdom. He started by repent for the kingdom of heaven. My Father's kingdom is at hand. See, Jesus, he didn't come. Please, we got to get this shift because the Western mindset wants to make it always about me, about me, about me individually, me and me individually. And Jesus, it wasn't about you individually. I came to manifest and reveal my father. And I came to make my father known to you. And I came to reconcile you back to my father. So yes, I died on the cross. I shed my blood. I paid the price. I ministered to you. I brought healing and deliverance. But all of that so you could be back connected to and understand and know my father. John 17, verse 4 through 8. 
I have, this is Jesus praying to his father, the greatest prayer, the longest prayer that we have recorded. And the prayer, right, probably, many scholars believe, was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. Now, stop for a second. He hadn't died on the cross yet. Listen, the death, burial, and resurrection and the blood of Jesus Christ is, is, is absolutely everything, but it, it is for, it is what was necessary to bring about the ultimate purpose, which was the reconciliation of man back to the original purpose, that we might be one with him. Watch this. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory with which I had before I, the world was. Verse 6, he's picking up. Here's the work you gave me to do. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. I'm going to say that again. Jesus said, I finished the work. I have manifested. Manifestation is an outward, visible, and tangible representation of something from the invisible realm. If I'm angry, you don't know it. But if I'm angry, I've now manifested, which often happens in McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> oh, don't look at me so spiritual. Right? Huh? Jesus said, Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus now prays, Father, I have finished the work. I have manifested. I have shown them your character, your nature, your authority, your kingdom. I have revealed who you are to them. Huh? He said, they were yours. You gave them to me. Oh, that's, I hit that last time, but put that in your spirit. You are God's best, the Father's best gift to Jesus. Ah, he gave, the Father created you and then gave you to Jesus. And they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. They didn't just look at me. They saw you. Now if Jesus, the son of the living God, Jesus the one whom through everything was created. Jesus, who has the name that is above every other name. Jesus, who is the only one worthy, slain from the foundation. If Jesus said, Father, my purpose for all my preaching, for all the miracles, for everything I did was so that people could know who you are. Amen. Then... And the spirit of prophecy 
is the testimony of Jesus. The true, the true spirit of prophecy is to do what Jesus did, which is to reveal who God is. It's not about who I am. It's not about what my gifting and my everything, even when I come and have a prophetic word for you. Hey, God's going to heal you. Do this or do that. We see, watch this, watch this, watch this. Until we grow up and understand that even when God gives a personal prophecy, the purpose is more than even the word or the promise. The purpose is to reveal our our father's love, our father's character, our father's nature, our father's kingdom, his will, his, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Huh? And when you understand that the, that is the purpose of the spirit of prophecy, then also like Jesus, you're not trying to get people to look at you and wow over the gifting you have. In fact, quite the opposite. You don't want them to even think about you. You want them to see who the father is. Are y'all hearing me? That, that's why when we move in the prophetic anointing, that's why, that's, see, when you get a hold of this, we're going to get rid of a lot of the, the manipulation. We're going to get rid of a lot of the flash. We're going to get a little, uh, uh, rid of a lot of the, the humanity that gets mixed in, a lot of, a lot of the, the flesh that, and, and worldliness that gets mixed in and the attention grabbing that gets, are y'all hear me? Because it's like, no, 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 no. Thank you, God, for the spirit of prophecy to reveal who you are. Not to testify of how anointed I am. It's the testimony of Jesus, not the public affirmation of me. Come on, y'all hear me? Are y'all hearing me? So that's why a lot of people, that's why, that's why God has had to hold back on a lot of the gifts of the spirit because he knows we're so immature that if you release the fullness of it, we'd use it to say, look at me, look at me, look at me. And God's saying, no, the purpose is for you to be able to say, look at him, look at him, look at him. Do not worship me. Worship him. I'm just a fellow servant. I'm just a brother. I'm just another one who has the testimony of Jesus. That's why one of our modern heroes of the faith in my mind is Francis Chan. Francis Chan, mighty man of God. I don't know if you ever heard, oh, it'll just melt your heart. Was leading a human, huge church in Simi Valley. Wealthy church. He was up and resigned it, left, disappeared for a year. Actually took his family going through China in the underground churches. Didn't even let people know where he was. People say, why did you leave such a successful, you know, you had a successful book, uh, you, were getting, you were worldwide, you had lots of money, everything. He said, why did you leave such a church? See, this is what he said. He said, I left when I started hearing people say my name more than they said Jesus' name. When I realized the testimony of the church was Francis Chan and not Jesus Christ, and I had, I had to do something to get that corrected. Oh, it's cool. The spirit, can you imagine what's going to begin to shift 
if in God, every time you go to pray, you know, go to pray for say, oh, Lord, oh, God, will you do this? Will you do this? No, Father, when I pray for this person to be healed, reveal your character, reveal your nature, reveal your authority, reveal your kingdom. It's not even about my faith. It's not about my anointing. It's not about my ministry. God, testify of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus, what? It's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God as revealed in the face of Jesus. When we point in the Jesus, they see the Father. Ah, this is also why, yes, Holy Ghost, this is why the devil has even infiltrated the church to try to separate the character and nature of Jesus from his Father. You say, How? Because if you listen to a lot of the preaching, it is almost as if Jesus came to deliver us from his mean, judgmental Old Testament father. Well, that was the law, the father. But we're under Jesus' grace. But Jesus came to reveal the father. So when we allow the world to say, try to define Jesus by saying, you know, love is love, yeah. right? Yeah. Jesus is love. Jesus said, don't judge. Da, da, da. Notice they're not saying God the Father said, because they can't. There's too much in the Bible that says God says, oh, no, no, listen, I, 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 I'm merciful and I'm gracious and I'll also judge you. No, 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 no. We try to separate Jesus, our image of Jesus, our false idol, our false image of Jesus from the Father. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Here's my testimony. Here's the spirit of prophecy. I reveal the Father. Who he really is, his character, authority, nature, and kingdom. So the spirit of prophecy is always about revealing who the father is, what the father is doing, and your personal and corporate role in what he is doing. I remember back, and there was a season in our ministry, and I was on TV in 170 nations, five times a week, multiple programs. Had Satan's Dirty Little Secret had come out, a best-selling book. It's getting known on Sid Roth many times and other programs and Morris Cirillo and doing all these things. And everything, I mean, I couldn't even go, I hardly could go to an airport anywhere in the world without people coming up to me. It's Steve Foss, Steve Foss. And I remember the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, no matter however big you become, You're only ever a single thread in the gigantic tapestry of what I'm doing. Every thread is irreplaceable, but you're only ever one thread. Come on, are you all hearing me? You see, when you're focused on the, when the spirit of prophecy matures, you become focused on the corporate, eternal purpose of God, which is to reveal the Father. Come on, get it in your spirit. That's 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 where the humility comes in. That's where caring for one another comes in. 
How many of you saw the awesome, and I loved it, the incredible movie, Jesus Revolution? Oh, oh, go see it. Oh, my gosh. You'll cry. You'll laugh. It's awesome. And I love the fact they didn't back away from some of the problems. I love that. Here we see Lonnie Frisbee. God used him phenomenally. Later in his life, though, he, had, he, he, he fell away from God for a short season and went back into some engaged in a, a, lots of ungodly behavior. But at the end, you know, he got totally back right with God. He never justified the ungodly behavior. He knew it was. Yeah. But there was a moment, God, he was young. God was using him mightily. And there were mighty gifts of the spirit, but there was a moment where uh, in, in the scene in the movie, and it, I think it's a real story, where Chuck Smith had got out to start preaching and Lonnie was feeling insecure, so Lonnie jumped up and he said, uh, someone here, God wants to heal somebody's ear. Somebody here needs a healing in their ear. And Chuck said, stop, not now, not now. And what's interesting is I thought, man, that is so portrayal of what happens today. Because Lonnie... Move mightily in gifts of healing. He might have genuinely had a word of knowledge or a prophetic understanding about a healing. But the spirit of prophecy and humility, which is all about revealing the Father, doesn't use that to interrupt or to promote yourself when you're feeling insecure. So he jumped in in a time he probably shouldn't have jumped in. And it ended up causing a division and separation. Now, and in the body of Christ, the same thing is today. Because you'd have one crowd saying Lonnie was just out of order and he was in the flesh. And you have another crowd saying Chuck Smith was just quenching the Holy Spirit. But could it possibly be that the anointing on Chuck Smith was to deliver the word at that moment? And maybe there was a poise somewhere down the road or maybe even private that Lonnie could have found that person later on. And the Lord would have... But. Because when it's, when it's about the testimony of, the, of Jesus, when it's about revealing the Father, you're not wanting to step on other parts and other gifts that are revealing the Father. It's not about, well, here's my part. No, I got I to I obey God. I got to obey God and not man. I got to do my part. Even by treading your brother and sister who also are fellow servants who also have the testimony of Jesus. It's not about your gifting or my gifting. It's about, it's the Father being revealed. Come on, is this good? Man, this thing's messing with me. It's messing with me. It's messing with me. See, you and I are his ambassadors. If the president of the United States appoints you as an ambassador, the president says, I give you a title. I give you authority. I give you wealth, a budget, personal provision, as well as substantial budget. You have the responsibility to lead others, which includes hiring, training, Delegating, empowering, discipling, and developing future leaders. All for the purpose, this is what the president would say, of fulfilling my vision. And representing and implementing my vision in the sphere of influence I have delegated to you. I didn't give you the title and the position and the authority and the uh, uh, rulership over other people and the wealth. I didn't give it to you so you could do what you want to do. I did it so you could represent my vision. And when the church gets back a hold of, we're not here to even make the crowd happy. 
We're not here to make an environment that's welcoming to anybody that can come to come. We're here to reveal who the Father is. Huh? So when we're, and I'm, I'm just going to say it, I'm going to keep saying it, and they keep getting mad at me, and I don't care. But if you're flying a gay flag, and by the way, when you fly a flag, you're saying we're under the authority, because that's a banner. That's it. When you're flying a gay flag, saying we are trying to, you know, tell they're all welcome here, what you're saying is we're no longer revealing the will of the Father, which is to deliver, which is not just to forgive, but to deliver and set free. But what we're doing is we're saying, no, we're doing this so the world will like us and we're no longer representing who he is. Because the Bible says clearly those that do these things shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. You're no longer representing the father. You're representing yourself and you're building a kingdom under yourself. But the true spirit of prophecy always points back to Jesus who is revealing the father. How can we possibly operate under the spirit of prophecy to reveal who Jesus is as he reveals who the Father is if we don't have revelation knowledge of who he is? Understand? So God has been working and working here in this place for three, four years calling you. I mean, he's been working many lower years than that, but there's been a focus. Get closer to me. Get closer to me. See me as I am. Get away, get away, get away, get away. But why? Not so you can spend the crazy days tucked into a little quiet place alone and just hide in his presence and not engage with the challenges of the world, but so you can see him. So the spirit of prophecy can come upon you and you can go out into the world and begin to reveal who he is. We must do this in concert, not only as ambassadors, but we also must do this in concert with other ambassadors. If my brother uh, Lamar, if you could come. Other departments of my government that are operating and overlapping and in the same or different spheres of influence. We must always remember, all of you, all of us, are to be speaking, working, and exercising his power on his behalf, in his name, for his kingdom purposes. Amen. Joel chapter 2. I'm almost done the introduction. <laughs> Say why? Because until we get, that becomes this driving focus. The revelation of John the Baptist, I must decrease. That he might increase until we get to the place that it's not about me it's not about even me me, me getting a breakthrough in my finances do you understand how much time and energy we spend on just trying to get through the next few weeks right how many times I just need to get a word to get me to encourage me to get through the next few weeks 
Oh, oh, no. Do you understand? The father said, I don't want you to stay at that level. I know you need those things. I'm going to take care of it. I want you to start getting a word that goes and reveals me. Could it possibly become, the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. And we're being changed as we behold in the word of God. As in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we're being changed into his image. From one degree of glory to another. Is it possible? I believe. I believe what we saw with that fellow brother in, in in Revelation 19. That the end time saints may actually be able to say to some great degree, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Oh God. I'm not there. And like Paul said, this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. And I'm pressing on towards the high calling. Not to be the world's greatest apostle. The high calling in Christ Jesus. The high calling of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy. The high calling to reveal and manifest to the world who he is. What is God about to do? We're so far from there, but he said, I'm going to do it. (laughs) In Joel chapter 2, it's an end time prophecy. Spends decades in chapter 1, 30, 40 years warning them of the coming judgment. But they didn't want to listen. Sounds like the world today. Joel chapter 2, he talks about the end time demonic army that comes, destroys. And then in verse 12, he starts calling out to his mighty end time prayer warriors, that end time prophetic prayer worship. And he, then he says, blow, blow the trumpet a second time. And he says, call a sacred assembly. Ha. Shut yourself away, cut apart. Repent, weep between the temple porch and the altar. Even those, don't be focused on all, even your natural stuff, even the most important stuff. Let the bridegroom leave the chamber. Bride and the bridegroom, let them leave their wedding. Get about what I'm about to do. He says, then I'm going to open. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you so much provision. You read it in Joel 2. And then verse 27, he says this. Then, after this brokenness and crying of repentance and crying out to me, then you will know that I am in the midst of Israel. I'm in the midst of my church. I am the Lord. And there is no other. And my people shall never be put to shame. Hmm. Just got to touch this for a moment. I got to touch this for a moment. I want to pray tonight. 
I want to pray. My burden tonight, my prayer, is that God release the spirit of prophecy. The mature spirit of prophecy. We see what's been happening in this womb of prophetic for years. You've been growing, you've been learning, you've been developing. But I feel like God's saying, now I'm, now I'm beginning to unveil the even higher purpose or the greater purpose or the more mature purpose of what I've been releasing. It's now it's time. You're going to start rising to a whole nother level. And instead of being oh, so many people that come to receive a prophetic word, you're going to start being the ones who reveal through prophecy, through the prophetic anointing, who he is. where God's been speaking. I know it's where God's been speaking and working through the ministries here for years. But God's saying, no, no, I'm, I'm putting a highlight on this. I'm putting a highlight on this. In Isaiah chapter 41 through 44, it's all one prophecy. I won't go into, uh, I'll just touch base on a, a moment, but it begins and ends with I'm the first and the last. In Isaiah 44, verse 4, he says, 41, I'm sorry, verse 4. Who has performed and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I am the Lord. I am the first and I am the last. We see that come up time and again. He says, I am the first and I am last. And then he says, in Isaiah 43. Hmm. He says, I am the first, I am the last, and there is no other beside me. Someone say, there's no other. We see that constantly through here. He's saying, there is no other beside me. When we start seeing this description of Jesus as the first and last, he's talking, he, he constantly connects us to two things. One, that there is no other. Everybody say, there is no other. There is only one God. There's not all these different descriptions of even who Jesus is. There's not all these different. There's not many, many ways to heaven. There's not all these. There's only, here's only one God. And verse 10, he says, you are my witnesses. Isaiah 43, verse 10. You are my witnesses, says the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed. Nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there is no other. There is no Savior. I have declared and saved. I have proclaimed. And there was no foreign God among you, says. Therefore, there's no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord. I am that I am God. So God says, listen, I'm going to do something. And much of this speaks in end time prophecy, 41 through 44. He says, I'm going to do something. I am going to eradicate every false image of me out of my people. I'm going to eradicate every false love. I'm going to eradicate everything else they lean upon, they depend upon, and they are going to be totally full of the revelation knowledge of me. And then you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. You will manifest my name, my character, my nature, my authority, my kingdom. You will manifest through the spirit of prophecy who I am to the world. You're going to manifest my love. 
You're going to manifest my first mercy. You're going to manifest, manifest my severity. I, well, I can't go to the next one yet. You're going to manifest who I am. Some say who he is. It's who he is. You're going to manifest that there is only one God. There is only one God. There is only one God. And everything's going to be all about him, not about me, all about him. Oh, God, release the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus. But you can't do it unless you've seen him. You can't do it unless you've beheld him. You can't do it unless you know him as he is. <laughs> oh, lift your hands and pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. I am the first, I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Oh, yeah, come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, we repent that we've made so many things about ourselves. Father, we repent that even in our immaturity, so much has been about me, about me, about me. It's not about me. It's about you. We want to be like Jesus, and Jesus made it all about you. He came to fulfill your will. He came not to do his own will, but the will of him who sent him. And that was to reveal who you are. Who you are through signs, wonders, and miracles. Who you are through, through the death, burial, and resurrection. Who you are through salvation. Who you are through judgment. Who you are through the revelation and the teaching of the word. He came to reveal who you are, Father. Oh, come on a little deeper. It's about you. 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 There is a rapid acceleration of maturity about to take place in this house. A rapid acceleration of maturity about to take place. So for so long, so many have come because they, they needed a, a pick-me-up. So many have come because they just they needed a bit me minister too. And that will continue. That will continue. But that's about to shift. That's about to shift. You're gonna shift from being the one minister too to being the one that ministers. To be the one that is carrying the spirit of prophecy. That you're being the one that's declaring and releasing. The testimony of Jesus. You're going to do that in concert with your fellow brothers and sisters. You're going to do that in connection. You're not going to be fighting. You're not going to be bickering. You're not going to be posturing and positioning. You're not going to be saying, well, I think it should be done this way. Or they should do this that way. Or the other thing. You're going to realize each part is revealing an element of God. Each part is revealing a character and nature of the Father. God, let the spirit of maturity, the spirit of prophecy be upon us. Come on, a little deeper in the spirit. The spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus. He's looking for a people he can trust with the powers of the age to come. 
but only those who are totally invested in one purpose to reveal the Father. Only those can really be trusted with the powers of the age to come. Oh God, I want you to be able to trust me with the powers of the age to come. Oh! you are my witnesses you are my witnesses you are my witnesses you are the ones that are to reveal to the world who I am that's what the father is saying my character my nature my authority my kingdom Oh, that's why you never follow culture or bow to culture. You don't allow culture to influence your message. You allow my, the message of me to influence the culture. Oh, do not change the message to say, well, that's how we're going to reach them where they're at. Oh, no, do, do you not? know that my word can penetrate any realm there is no height they can go to escape me there is no depth they can go to hide from me from my spirit and my word the revelation of me penetrates just reveal me reveal me reveal me reveal me says the father oh reveal me reveal my love reveal my kindness reveal my mercy reveal my severity reveal my holiness reveal my righteousness reveal me oh Jesus Father, we give you praise. 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 Jesus. John, Revelation 17, verse 1. I believe this is the angel. It seems that this is the angel that was speaking to John in, in chapter 19. Then one, I, I don't know what to do with this, Brother Mike. You guys are a mature people, so I don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm still chewing on this. Is that okay? You guys are a more mature crowd, so I can give you something. I'm just telling you, I'm chewing on this. But it seems very clear to me in John 19 that this was one of the fellow saints. The verbiage just seems he's saying it's one of the fellow saints. Because do angels themselves really have the testimony of Jesus the way we who are born again? They, they didn't have to be born again. But this, this kind of shook me tonight during worship. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me. What?
if this is the same angel in chapter 19 who says I'm one of your brethren this is a fellow saint says he had one of the bowls kind of ties together with earlier when the angels brought the golden censers before the throne of God mixed with incense and the prayers of the saints and then they took fire from the altar and they hurled it back to the earth say what are you what are you saying brother steve well i could show it i can prove it elsewise many other places in scripture part of the testimony of jesus of who the father is is going to be the end time elijah anointing that calls fire down from heaven it releases judgments of god on the earth There is no way the Father can trust that kind of authority to someone who has any bit of self-agenda in their heart. Because they'll destroy and damage. Say, brother, you're, you're talking, yeah, I'm talking a level that's, like 40 scriptures exploding me I've got to pause <sighs> pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions even on your men servants and maid servants while I pour out my spirit we stop there and I will show signs in the heavens and on the earth blood fire and pillars of smoke Those are the end time judgments. God says, I'm going to pour out the spirit of prophecy. And that spirit of prophecy will also release the end time manifestations of judgments and of who I am. And we know, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Before it says the great and dreadful day of the Lord. understand what God is raising you and I up to be? Do you understand the love and the self-sacrifice and the death to self we're going to have to operate in in order for God to trust us to release the miracles, the signs and wonders, the, the, the signs in heaven and even the end time judgments which are designed to warn a world that has rebelled against him that if they don't turn that there's an eternal judgment? Oh. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Oh God, the Spirit of prophecy. Do you not understand? You guys have not, you just haven't been here for all these years just to be here. Of 
course you had to fight a lot of battles. Of course you had your ups and downs. Of course the enemy keeps trying to kill the baby in the womb. He keeps trying to knock it out because he is so terrified of this thing happening. He is so terrified of the spirit of prophecy maturing. He is terrified of that. He's terrified of that. But I got news for the devil. He already lost. Hey, Verley. <laughs> I don't know if that was on purpose, but good timing. <laughs> Woo! Lift your hands one more time. I'm going to pray for you at the altar here in a moment. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. There, there's, there's a weightiness and a somberness tonight. There's going to be waves and waves of the Holy Ghost over these next four day, days. But I tell you tonight, I feel like God is saying, can I call you up to this level? Can I call you up to this level? Will you say, yes, Lord, I want to be there. You can't get there by yourself. He knows that. But he says, I want to be there. I want to be there. Everything I have is yours, not by might nor by power. Everything I have is yours. It's not about me. It's not for my name's sake. It's not for, it's not for self-affirmation. It's not for people to look at me and think better about me. It's all about you. The spirit of prophecy is to reveal the Father. To reveal the Father. Unto a lost and dying world. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. We're going to quickly, we're going to just in the spirit, stay praying. And maybe brother just leads in a little worship right there. But we're going to receive an offering tonight uh, uh, for our ministry and for the work we're doing in the nations of the world. Most important thing, offering is, it, 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 it's one of the most sacred engagements we get with God. Travis is going to pass one out to everybody, but it's one of the most sacred engagements we get with God. Don't, don't shift your spirit. I felt that a little bit shift right there. Don't shift your spirit. <laughs> don't go from, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, offering. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's one of the most sacred encounters with God, and that's we're always, we're engaging with God. Ha. <laughs> Can you, can you imagine, can you imagine the reality? God says, if I can't trust you to release the money I put in you because of fear or because you want to do other things with it, how can I trust you to release the anointing I give you? Because you're going to try to use it for yourself. For your, I'll always take care of you. You'll always receive an abundance and an overflow of it. But if I give you, see, that's why I know money, money is often a proving ground for the anointing because money is the power of the world. The anointing is the power of the kingdom. And many people, God gives them a little gifting and they use it to promote themselves. They use it for their own personal benefit. They use it to get what they want in this life. But God says, I need people that will understand what I invest in them. Use it first and foremost for my kingdom, whether it's money, gifting, talent, relationships favor you're using it to advance and reveal who i am and advance my kingdom and my purposes and that's the person i can trust to flow much through because if i can get it through you you'll never struggle getting it to you my father we give you praise and glory yeah just go ahead and sing a worship something you just drip anointing i'm telling you so just flow. <laughs> For your glory. I will do anything. 
just to see you. If you want to scan and give online, you can scan the QR code. The you guys are smart. You know how that all works. My king. <sighs> For your glory. Everything. I will do anything. You know, the older I get, Brother Mike, just to see the more I don't want to be seen. To behold you but the more and more I want people to see him. For your glory. Tonight, I must decrease that he might increase. You say, well, Brother Steve, I have so much need in my life. I know. The Father knows. Oh, he cares. He does. But if he can get your eyes off of your need and onto his purpose, get you focused on Jesus and what Jesus is focused on, it, re it releases the Father to easily meet all your needs. He said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. Why? It's kind of the nature of the Father. If you're focused on you, the flow's bottled up. If you're focused on me, the flow opens up. And we've all done it. We've all, we've all, it's so easy in this life to get focused on ourselves. It's so easy to get wrapped up in our battles. And many of you are going to receive great breakthroughs and healings this weekend. You really are. But make it your prayer. God, heal me. Give me my financial breakthrough. Heal my marriage or whatever it is. For this purpose above every other purpose. Not so I can have an easier time or not struggle so much. So that people see who you are. Heal me for the testimony of Jesus. Give me provision for the testimony of Jesus. That people see that you're the God that healeth. That people see that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That you, that people see you're the God that gives peace, that passes all understanding. That little shift in your heart, I'm telling you, will open a flow of more miracles. That little shift. Don't do it for me. Do it for your namesake. That you may be glorified. <laughs> that, that little shift that little shift poof, changes everything and even when you give and you give tonight and even as you sow and even when you give offerings and, and, and seed time and harvest is so real but even that is oh God function in seed time and harvest given it shall be given unto me but do it that your truth may be glorified that your kingdom principles may be magnified do it that others can see you this is how you function as I function in it in Jesus mighty name thank you father ushers if you come forward we're gonna they're gonna gather the offering if you're not ready yet just you can hand it if you don't have it ready you can give it to Travis at the very end or hand it to somebody I just feel a weighty presence. If the worship team would come.
and we're going to flow right in that song. That's beautiful. And here's what I want to pray. Guys, I'm telling you, please hear my heart. When the shift gets, it's all for you, God. It unbottles the flow of the supernatural. You'll be stunned. I'll end with this story before I pray. My uh, grandmother, on the way to my wedding, got hit in a car accident. 25 years in and out of a wheelchair, never, never without a walker. She lived with us for several years and her bedroom's maybe 40 feet from the kitchen and it would take her 10 minutes to get to the kitchen. She'd do the walker and she'd be completely out of breath. I was in my office one day and she comes in without her walker and she's walking around like this and she said I'm healed I'm healed I'm healed and it took me a moment I was like oh my gosh you are I'm healed I'm healed I'm healed I'm healed I'm healed I'm healed she was like I mean it was like no she's not out of breath just no pain she's walking perfectly normal I said, I said what happened she said I wasn't praying for myself I got a call about a friend that's in a nursing home and was, you know, her health, she was dying. And although it hurts me so much to get on my knees and it's almost impossible for you to get up, I got down on my knees in pain and began to cry and pray. Oh God, heal my friend. Manifest yourself to her. And while she's on the floor, in pain, praying for a friend, God said, I've healed you. She said, I didn't ask for my healing. I healed you. And when I came, when she got to church that next Sunday, and I said to the church, everybody knew Nana, take her 30 minutes to get from the parking lot into the church. And I said, we had a miracle. I said, Nana, come here. And she got up and just walked right up front. The place went nuts. She got her breakthrough when she was so not focused on her need. Is it possible? Is it possible? The spirit of prophecy will get you off of you and get you so focused on him and it will open up the valve it'll open up the, 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 the flow of the supernatural into so many people's lives and yes even your life but you're not going to try to get the spirit of prophecy so it can open up in your life because <laughs> you're still missing it you're opening the spirit you're functioning in the spirit of prophecy so that his name can be manifested in the earth and allowing him to do that in you so that you are a living testimony come on amen